SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after on a Thursday here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. In our number two, we talk a lot of college, a lot of college basketball coming up, even college football. Yeah, college football, National Signing Day was yesterday. We look at where the composite team rankings are, how it has affected the futures market, and then some other news and notes that you need to know for college football here moving forward. We dive back into the Super Bowl as well with our good friend Mark Zeno, the mouth in the South for college football and national football league action as well. And although the Super Bowl and the countdown is underway, just more than a week out from Super Bowl Sunday now, the NFL offseason for a lot of teams, 30 of 32 to be exact, has already started where they are planning their future direction of their organization and a team that was playing last weekend in the conference championship game in the NFC against the Los Angeles Rams might be having a new starting quarterback next year because although it was Jimmy Garoppolo for the Niners this past Sunday it seems like Jimmy's time in San Francisco is coming to a close of course last year in the NFL draft trading a lot of draft capital to move up to number three in the 2021 NFL draft to select Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, the heir apparent to Jimmy Garoppolo and the future quarterback for the 49ers. And following that loss to the Rams this past Sunday in the NFC title game, in media availability earlier this week, it all but seemed like Jimmy had made peace with the idea that he will not be the quarterback in San Francisco next year, closing out his Zoom media session by saying, Thanks for everything. See you guys. So it seems as though Jimmy knows that his next destination is not up in the Bay in San Francisco, but rather somewhere else. And he expressed in that media availability how he wants to go to a team that is ready to win right now, a Super Bowl contender right now. So when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, there is a lot of debate about how prolific and how sustainable of a quarterback he can be in the National Football League. During the regular season in 2021, played in 15 games for the Niners, averaged 257.4 yards per game, had a 68.3% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. But what he will be judged by and the standard he will be evaluated from, probably those performances in the 2021 playoffs for San Francisco, averaging just 178.3 yards per game, just a 58.1 completion percentage, only two touchdowns to three interceptions through an interception in every game. And if his time in San Francisco has come to a close, his final pass for the Niners will be that interception that iced the game late in the fourth quarter for the LA Rams. Only eclipsed the 200-yard mark in that first game on Super Wild Card Weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. But Jimmy did lead this Niners team into the postseason and into the NFC Championship game. In three straight games on the road, booked as an underdog, Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners went out there and won a football game outright. That takes a tremendous amount of respect and performance to be able to have that three straight weeks when it's do or die each and every week. So 
as we look at Jimmy Garoppolo's future, it seems the future in San Francisco is Trey Lance, which means where does Jimmy G go? And we're going to have some fun here on the morning after as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of TMA on this Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. The NFL offseason for 30 of 32 NFL organizations is in full swing. Of course, you can go around the coaching carousel, but also look at some of the big-name free agents or maybe trade pieces that could become available in the next coming months. One of those quarterbacks will be Jimmy Garoppolo. And you might debate if Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade for your favorite team or your favorite team's rival, but it seems as though there will be a market for Jimmy G, and I think they're rightfully should be so let's have some fun here on the morning after i am no odds maker but i'm around odds a lot i'm allowed around a lot of spreads lines numbers and totals so maybe i can pontificate here and come up with some make pretend odds for jimmy garoppolo's most likely next destination in the nfl and that's what we've done here on a thursday on the morning after and of course we know that officially on tuesday tom brady announced his retirement from the nfl following 22 NFL campaigns and that leaves the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with an opening for their starting quarterback so the favorite on this board the Buccaneers to be Jimmy Garoppolo's next NFL team at plus 250 some plus money prices we're not going to make it too easy for you or expose the book too much with too short of a price following the Bucks, maybe the Steelers need a quarterback as well because Ben Roethlisberger has officially retired as well I do not think Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins are the answer for the Steelers. They have the second best price at plus 325. The Denver Broncos could be looking for a new quarterback under a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett at plus 400. Might Jimmy Garoppolo make his way to the Mile High City? Washington could be in the marketplace at plus 650, or maybe even the team that Jimmy Garoppolo beat on NFC Divisional Weekend, the Green Bay Packers, if they would need a new quarterback. So let's look at this odds board once again. Green Bay at 10 to 1, the longest odds. You see Washington there, the Commanders at plus 650, the Broncos at plus 400, the Steelers plus 325, the second best price, and the Bucks the favorites on this make pretend board at plus 250. How poetic and ironic would it be if Jimmy Garoppolo followed in the footsteps of Tom Brady? We go to the zone next here, college basketball on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. College basketball front and center right here on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. We are into the month of February. We are less than a month away now from the start of March, which means in college basketball, conference tournaments, NCAA tournament, conference action in a big way on a nightly basis across the country with marquee matchups that litter the slate each and every night in college basketball let's look back on last night and look forward to tonight a couple of really good ones we do that right now in the zone you can't beat the zone. i think it's time i think it's time right here right now on the morning after on sports grid we have an honest conversation 
about Marquette and how the number 24 Golden Eagles are a very, very good basketball team. Not just good as an underdog, but might be something to trifle with outside of the Big East now moving forward because Marquette has won eight of their last nine games. Marquette has now covered in nine straight, and Marquette keeps winning games and covering numbers as an underdog, but even more impressively winning outright as they did last night at home against number 12 Villanova. And not just winning, but winning decisively, 83-73 over the Cats last night. So Marquette has won eight of their last nine. Their only loss in this span on Sunday against Providence on the road by two points. And guess what? They covered a two-and-a-half-point, three-point spread in that game. Last night, winning outright by 10 as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. They have covered in nine straight. They have covered in six straight when booked as an underdog. So maybe the market is undervaluing Shaka Smart in his first year there in Milwaukee. And they've won five of those six games outright as an underdog as well. Now, in his first year, Marquette has already beat six teams ranked in the AP Top 25. That's a program record there in Milwaukee. Marquette might not just be good as an underdog in covering numbers. Marquette just might be stinking good. And Villanova, meanwhile, now 9-3 and three in the Big East, and they've covered just once in their last five games. If you don't know the name Justin Lewis, the freshman big man for the Marquette Golden Eagles, Time to start paying attention. A game-high 19 points last night against Nova also added nine rebounds. So this is all very interesting as you look at the Big East title odds because Villanova has dominated the Big East Conference here over the last decade, really the last two decades. They won three straight Big East regular season titles and seven of the last eight. But for the first time this year, Villanova no longer the favorites to win the Big East on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That would be the Providence Friars at minus 115. You know that I am friared up. You know that I have declared my allegiance outside of the Big Ten to Ed Cooley and Providence, a 19-2 basketball team that continues to win also as an underdog, undervalued in the market. But now minus 115. Villanova, you see there, the second-best odds to win the Big East at plus 120. It seems like a two-team race because there is a far drop-off to UConn at 16-1. to Marquette? is 23 to 1. And despite how Marquette has played as of late, they lost their first 3 games in Big East play, so they have four losses in conference, hard to win a regular season crown, but if they keep pulling upsets, who knows what could happen for Marquette. It is fascinating what is happening right now in the Big East. Providence, Marquette undervalued in the market, very profitable if you are a better. Marquette has won 5 of their last 6 straight up as an underdog. Providence has won all 7 games this year booked as a dog <laughs> pay attention to the big east in the big 10 meanwhile a huge game last night at the state farm center in champaign number 18 illinois handling wisconsin the 11th ranked badgers going down at the hands of the illini 80 to 67 illinois and the spread worked in their favor last night the illini cover as a seven point home favorite they've now won three straight in the cover last night snaps a four game non-cover skid for illinois the total of 136 and a half goes way over and again it's wild what wisconsin is doing but nine of their last 11 games have hit an over for a badgers basketball team that's not normally the case wisconsin now themselves on a four game non-cover skid they had covered in five straight prior to this now four-game non-cover skid. And the Stars were on full display last night in Champaign. First for the victorious team, Illinois. One of the best big men in all of college basketball, 
Kofi Coburn showed that last night. 37 points on an incredibly efficient evening. 16 of 19 from the field. 37 points, 16 of 19 from the field. Also added on 12 rebounds. On the other side for Wisconsin, Johnny Davis, 22 points, 15 boards for the Badgers. Now, as we look at the Big Ten standings, Illinois back in that top spot, a half-game lead over Michigan State, who is Illinois is 9-2, Michigan State 8-2, Wisconsin and Purdue tied for the third spot in the Big Ten standings at 8-3 straight up. Purdue went on the road last night, beat Minnesota, covering as a double-digit road favorite. There was a game in the Big Ten tonight that has now been postponed. It was going to be a good one in Columbus, Ohio, between Ohio State and Iowa, but some bad weather in the Midwest. The Hawkeyes could not fly out to make their trip to Columbus, so this game has been postponed between Ohio State and Iowa, hopefully being rescheduled at another time. But I will just mention this about the Hawkeyes. Now two games below 500 in Big Ten play, just four and six straight up, four and six against the number. Now for the Iowa Hawkeyes in Big Ten action. But if there's not a game in the Big Ten tonight, there might also be another game in the Big Ten. I'd have to check. But if there's not a marquee game in the Big Ten tonight, there is one out west in the desert, Tucson. Top 10 tilt in the Pac-12. Number three, UCLA on the road against number seven, Arizona. And right now, the spread big in favor of the Cats. Seven points is that favored spread for Arizona. The over-under at 147. If this matchup looks familiar, there's a reason why. These two teams played each other just last week on a Tuesday night at Pauley Pavilion in Westwood, a UCLA home game in which the Bruins were dominant, holding Arizona to a season-low 59 points, and UCLA won that basketball game 75-59, winning outright as a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. There's just their second game as a dog this year, beating Arizona outright, the only other game against Gonzaga. Now this their third game as an underdog and a seven-point underdog, plus 240 on that money line, meanwhile, against Arizona, who did not win against UCLA and certainly did not cover and did not cover over the weekend against Arizona State. The Wildcats were a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. They won the game by double digits but did not come close to covering that pregame number of 21 and a half. This game against UCLA, as was the last game, the only two times now in Pac-12 play that Arizona has been a single-digit favorite. The 59 points against UCLA for Arizona, again, a season low. 67 only against Arizona State on Saturday afternoon. That was their second lowest output. Arizona, the 13th most efficient offense in the country. UCLA, a top 10 most efficient defense. The total for game number one between the Bruins and the Wildcats was at 150, down tonight to 147. Some interesting trends as it pertains to this over-under. UCLA has gone under in four of their last five games. Arizona has gone under in five of their last six. The total against Arizona State was 148, another under for Arizona. But Arizona has played with a total of 156 or lower eight times this year. Six of those eight games hitting an over. This is one point over that opening line at 156 now at 147. And this game is huge because the winner of tonight's game takes firm control and pole position of that top spot 
in the Pac-12. And right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, UCLA is the favorite at minus 125. Arizona, the second best odds at plus 120. You can see pretty much a two-team race again in the Pac-12 conference as there is a far drop-off to USC with the third best price at 17 to 1 in Oregon at 32 to 1 in that fourth spot. So UCLA now in odds on favorite, but entering the game last week, it was Arizona as a favorite in the Pac-12, even money plus 100 UCLA behind them at plus 165. Now the Bruins, the favorites on the road tonight, an underdog against Arizona in Tucson. It's going to be a good one. More the morning after, right next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Anytime we can talk college football on the morning after, even in the early portion of February, you know we will do that right here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, and anytime we talk college football, especially when the SEC is front and center, we have to bring in the mouth in the South. Mark Zeno from all across the grid joining us once again on the morning after here on a Thursday. Zeno, great to have you back. Great to be talking some college football with you. Uh, Benny, college football season never rests, and it's always great to be back with Big Ten Ben. I mean, when there is so much movement, not only in the coaching carousel, and we can get into Jim Harbaugh in just a couple of moments, but also with the transfer portal never slowing down, but also yesterday, the conclusion of National Signing Day. Now, the thing about college football's National Signing Day is there are actually two NSDs. One happens in December. The other, the more traditional of the two, is here in the first Wednesday of February. But most of the action actually happens now in December. But still some moves yesterday that affected the composite rankings of who ended up with the best recruiting class for 2022. And that would be Texas A&M. And it's not the best recruiting class just for this year. It's the best recruiting class in history. Ever since rankings came out, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher have now compiled the best recruiting class ever in college football. Mark Zeno topping the 2021 Alabama class. That was the best ever and then took one year. And then the Aggies were like, hey, we'll take that honor. Seven five stars in this class. All of those seven five stars ranking in the top 25 in player rankings across the country. And then you still see Alabama and Georgia. So do not put out the pale for Kirby Smart or Nick Saban yet. But pretty impressive stuff out of Jimbo Fisher in College Station. Yeah, and what a time for him to have the recruiting class that he did. I mean, objectively, Ben, you can look at the SEC West right now as sort of ripe for the picking. I mean, run down all these contenders, and we'll start from, like, the bottom to the top. Oh, Auburn. Hey, they're not very good. Guess what? Zach Calzada, the guy who used to play for me, he's now their problem. Oh, well, let's look at LSU. Brand new head coach. Good coach in Brian Kelly, but in a state of transition. Haven't got the quarterback figured out yet. May take a year for them to get things going. Old Miss, great year. Guess what? Matt Corral, he's gone. They'll be ripe for the picking. Oh, and what about Alabama? Yeah, we beat them last year with Zach freaking Calzada. We've got a better team now, and we can go beat that team that just lost to Stetson freaking Bennett in the national championship game. So if there was ever a time to have the recruiting class that they did, if there was ever a time to elevate AM 
Jimbo Fisher has done it at exactly the right time, at a time where he thinks the SEC West is ripe for the picking and a great chance for him to win this year finally. And Cruton never stops. So these guys that are hugely impact players, if they're not making any difference this freshman year, it could happen in their sophomore year. And when you look at the best five classes in the history ever since these rankings were put out for recruiting classes, Alabama had one in 2017. Georgia had the fifth best class ever in 2018. That number four class all time, the 2017 Bama class, well, they won a national championship in 2020. The 2018 Georgia class, that was the fifth best ever. They just won a national championship. So those do tend to lead to some ultimate results. And when you look at Texas A&M, I mentioned it, seven five stars, all ranking in the top 25 in player rankings in the country. The number one D lineman, the number one tight end in the country, the number two wide receiver, the number three quarterback, the number three interior offensive lineman, and the number four cornerback as well. That is why Texas A&M has knocked Alabama and Georgia off their perch from alternating back and forth of having the best recruiting class in the country. It is now Texas A&M. And if you follow college football, you were on social media yesterday, you probably heard from an angry Jimbo Fisher about this guy named Slice Bread on a site called Bro Bible claiming that Texas A&M, based on NIL money, had a fund of $30 million to pay everybody to come to College Station. Jimbo denied that flat out, but that's the evolving landscape of college football and college athletics in general. Is NIL and that being a contributing factor to some of these recruiting decision makings. But Mark, we could also look at the futures market for next year in 2022 because there has been some movement early on in this offseason. Not sure if it's movement dictated on what we saw yesterday, but Texas A&M does make a jump. 40 to 1 the day following the national championship. Now 30 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the fifth best odds. Alabama the favorite once again at plus 200. Georgia just behind them at plus 350 Ohio State's number has become shorter as well from plus 800 the day following the natty now to plus 550 and then Clemson the last team to mention in the top five at 10 to 1. Mark it's pretty early on to make a futures bet but where do you think the value lies in this market? All right well let's look at the team starting with Clemson. Clearly the playoffs still with the Clemson Tigers in winning the ACC. If new offense coordinator Brandon Streeter can get the quarterback situation figured out, and they did sign the top quarterback of all of America in Cade Klubnik, if he's the guy, or even if it's DJU, or even if it's somebody else in that quarterback room, figure it out early on. I think we're having some technical difficulties with Mark Zeno, who is in Georgia right now, and he mentioned he had a power outage earlier this morning, so we do not fault him. But Mark was telling me throughout the commercial break about Clemson being at 10-1, to 1, and Clemson normally has a shorter price to win a national championship than this plus 1,000 ticket. I believe the mouth in the South is back, dealing with some technical difficulties in the South today because of some power outages. Mark Zeno, are you there? And do you want to continue on why Clemson at 10 to 1 presents some value? You can't ever silence the mouth in the South, Ben. You should know better than that by now. Not even power will stop me. Or the 
the internet for that. Back to Clemson at 10 to 1. Easiest path still to the college football playoff because the ACC is the most winnable Power Five conference out there. If the new offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter, can get the quarterback situation figured out. They did sign the top quarterback recruit in America in Cade Klubnik. If he's the starter, if he's the guy who can carry him. And look, we've seen freshman quarterbacks do amazing things in college football as of late. If he's the guy that can carry them through the ACC, then certainly at 10 to 1, getting to the college football player presents great value. Already spoke about AM and why I think they're a good pick, especially now at 30 to 1. But clearly, they're going to have to win the SEC West and the SEC. Otherwise, they're going to need a lot of help getting there along the way. But let's not forget about USC mm. at 40 to 1. Mm. Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams out there. Another very winnable conference. While it's a little bit deeper than the ACC, when you inject Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, a tandem that's been together already and knows how to run an offense, they clearly could have the best offense in the in the Pac-12 and a team that could win the Pac-12. And I don't think for one second that the College Football Playoff Committee isn't dying to put USC into the college football playoff once again because they are. So another great pick at 40-1 to for USC. And let's talk about why USC's value has become a little bit less on this board. 80-1 to the day following the national championship after Lincoln Riley had made his move to Southern California. But there was some thought that if Lincoln Riley was at USC, that his former quarterback at OU in Norman in Caleb Williams might just join him well spider-man meme or the rick dalton meme from uh once upon a time in hollywood because it became very very obvious that was going to be the case there was some talk that caleb williams might have gone to wisconsin that would have been mind-boggling but caleb williams making it official he has transferred to usc caleb williams joining the trojan football program so mark their odds from 80 to 1 now 40 to 1 in this marketplace, Caleb Williams will be the presumed starter for USC football. Do you think it's a shoo-in that USC wins the Pac-12? Because I have my doubts. Well, there's reason to have doubts, and I agree with you. There is, but it's almost like a flyer at 40 to 1. Uh, there is some stiff competition out there. Clearly, Utah, we know what they've been able to do. Oregon will be competitive mm -hmm. as well. So it's not like it's a clear path as Clemson has in the ACC where they are just leaps and bounds better than everybody from a talent standpoint. That's not the case for USC. But if Lincoln Riley does what Lincoln Riley has done for quarterbacks in the past, i.e. Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, and elevate these guys to Heisman Trophy level status, if he does that again for Caleb Williams with a full season against a much different level of conference than what he saw in the Big 12, then there's, it's not a bad play. I'm not saying that USC is guaranteed to win it, but when you're giving them 40-1 right. to 1 odds at this point to win the national title, you're asking at this point who's most likely to make the college football playoff and then hope you're in a coin flip game type situation. And from the Pac-12, I don't think it's a bad bet at all to think USC can win the thing. I completely agree. And again, if you had a 40-1 to 1 ticket right now, and by the time we get to late December and into early January when the college football playoff occurs... You're going to have so many opportunities for hedging, middling, whatever it might be to make sure you guarantee a pretty good payday. And Caleb Williams, right after the season concluded, after the national championship, was 21 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. That is a very large price 
on Caleb Williams, which was interesting to me, Mark, because it almost seemed like, well, where is he going to go? But once he decided his ultimate location, either staying in Norman, going somewhere else, or more than likely going to USC, that number would come way, way down for the Heisman Trophy. Because at Caleb's price of 21 to 1, compared to the two favorites right after the national championship, Bryce Young was plus 260, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama. C.J. Stroud was plus 360 out of Ohio State. Those were very short prices, so... Caleb Williams presents a ton of value in this market as well. He does. I wouldn't put my money anywhere else other right now than C.J. Stroud. Uh, he's the, going to be the odds-on favorite as soon as they start taking snaps. He's going to have another monster year again. That number's only going to go down. Get it now while it's as high as it is. I don't think you're going to see a better price on him. And then maybe an eye on Jackson Smith and Jigba as well, the talented wide receiver in Columbus. So from college football now to Mark Zeno's NFL expertise, some Super Bowl questions up next here on the morning after on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The countdown is on for Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles one weekend from this upcoming weekend. And we break it down with some early leans for a second straight segment with Mark Zeno here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. So, Mark, as we look at some of your early leans for Super Bowl 56, let's start big picture first because the market has been moving on the spread and total alone. The number now in favor of Los Angeles, four and a half points. It opened at three and a half late Sunday night following conference championship Sunday, now at four and a half in favor of LA. The total opened at 49 and a hook, now an over-under of 48 and a half. Big picture view here, Mark Zeno. What do you make of these numbers for the Super Bowl? Well, it's not surprising to see the money come in on the Rams and it continue to move. I mean, you have to remember, the margin of victory for the Cincinnati Bengals has been so short in all three of their playoff games. It needed to go down to the final play against the Oakland Raiders to avoid overtime. They went into overtime against Tennessee. They barely beat Kansas City on the road by a field goal. So, you know, there's a coin flip in all of these games where they could have lost, and you could argue look, that there's a chance that their luck is going to run out against a seasoned and veteran and talented team like the Rams. So I understand the money coming in, but I'm not going to bet against the Bengals at this point in time. They may just be dumb enough to believe and dumb enough to know that, hey, we're actually belonging in this game. We're good enough to hang here. And I think they are. Um, for me, the other thing I look at is the total, which continues to be bet under sharply, uh, and it continues to move down. All I'll say is this. I don't see a scenario where the Bengals win an over game. I can see a scenario where the Rams can win an under and the Bengals can win an under, but I don't see a scenario where the Bengals win an over. Some of that is because of their coach. Some of that is because of how he continues to mess up game script things and, and kicks way too many field goals. Um, but still, uh, you can go back and say, yeah, Zeno, yeah, they, they won an over game against Kansas City. But if you remember how that over game went in the final minute, they got three penalties inside the five-yard line inside the two-minute warning that were able for them to kill the clock and not give Kansas City the yeah. ball back during the regular season. So there's a little bit of benefit there. I just look at this and I go, it's an under game. 
and that benefits the Bengals. Uh, and, and if the Rams can somehow pull it out, it's probably only going to be by a field goal if it stays under. And that Week 17 regular season game against Kansas City that Mark is mentioning for the Bengals was the last time the Bengals have played to an over. So far in the postseason, they haven't won an over game because they've won three straight and all three of those games hitting an under for Cincinnati. The Rams have split their last 10 games, five overs, five unders from a trend perspective entering this matchup in Super Bowl 56. So, Mark, I think when you look at a Super Bowl spread in a total, it's hard to find edges even this early on as we await Super Bowl Sunday, two Sundays from now. But then maybe we can look early at some numbers in the prop market. And, of course, the attention, as it always is in football, will be paid to quarterbacks. And we start with the quarterbacks here, but not their passing yards prop, Mark Zeno. That intrigues you for Matthew Stafford at 281 and a hook or Joe Burrow at 276 and a half. But maybe either quarterback using their legs. Where do you think one of the best numbers right now in the prop market lies? It is an absolute gift from odds makers to put Joe Burrow's rushing total at only 11 and a half. Take the over, hammer the over, run to the bank with the over. I, I, I can't say it any more simply. He cleared this number easily in the game against the Chiefs, and they were in the backfield the entire game. In case you haven't noticed, the Rams have a better pass rush and better pass rushers than the Kansas City Chiefs do. Unless the Rams decide to play this, you know, delayed pass rush defense, and all of a sudden Joe Burrow has time, and his offensive line gives him time, which he hasn't had this entire postseason, why wouldn't Joe right. Burrow take off again the way he did against Kansas City and extend drives with his legs. He's smart enough to know when to do it, how to do it, and take advantage of the defense. It's only 11 and a half yards. He can get that on one run. This seems like a gift to odds makers. I know last game it was at five and a half, so it's really hard to jump it into the 20s, but I would have figured it would have been closer to 20. At 11 and a half, this is a gift from odds makers. And that's the thought right now as well. You see it with Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. We certainly saw it with how the Buffalo Bills utilized their wrecking ball of a quarterback in Josh Allen. The idea of, hey, man, it's week four, slide and get out of bounds is not really the case in the Super Bowl. Hey, we need a first down. Go pick up six yards and use your legs to do so. And Mark brings up a good point. Kansas City only sacked Joe Burrow once last week, but they were in the backfield pressuring the Bengals quarterback a ton, which led to him making some pretty miraculous scrambles keeping Cincinnati in that game. Of course, we all remember when Chris Jones pretty much had Joe Burrow in his grasp and somehow Joe got out, scrambled for double-digit yards and picked up a first down for Cincinnati. In fact, you could even make an argument for Matthew Stafford, I think, in his rushing yards prop at five and a half, as crazy as that is to say. He's gone over in every postseason game so far for the LA Rams. That is very interesting and maybe a secondary market away from public view as people are looking at completions and passing attempts and certainly passing yards for both Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow. Another marketplace, Mark, is the anytime touchdown prop. And I want your thoughts here because I find this market very, very difficult to handicap because even the guys that are supposed to find the end zone, that have the most volume, that have scored a ton, even like a Cooper Cup, it's still rather random to find the end zone on any given football game Cooper Cup has scored in all three postseason games he has scored in five straight and thus his odds at minus 210 to do so again for the Super Bowl make a ton of sense Cam Akers the only other player right now in that minus money category at minus 120 so Mark there is some plus money out there but how do you approach the anytime touchdown market well, you have to look for guys that are part of the offense in given situations. It typically seems there's always one random scorer in a Super Bowl, like, oh, what the hell did he get a touchdown in the Super Bowl? But 
you know, Cam Akers being a heavy favorite, I'll look to the other running back, Sony Michelle. He's had less fumble problems. I was shocked at how little he was used in the NFC Championship game, but I think he's trusted at the goal line, and given the right situation, uh, he can get the ball, and at better than 2-1, to one, he's not a bad bet. And the one guy in the Bengals that I look at at plus 310 is Samaj Piran. Why does Samaj Piran stick out to me? Because Zach Taylor continues to be a putz and put him on the field instead of Joe Mixon, who is a clearly better back and should get a much larger bulk of the carry share. If you ever, like, get on Twitter on Sundays, there's a whole contingent of people going, why is Samaj Piran still in this game? For some reason, Zach Taylor likes him. For some reason, Zach Taylor trusts him when Joe Mixon is the better back, the better ball carrier. He has less fumble issues. But Samaj Piran is a guy that I have to feel will get an opportunity uh, in a certain spot near the goal line to try to put one across the line for six. Plus 330 right now for P. Ryan for the Cincinnati Bengals. Right below him in this market, as you scroll down on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll see C.J. Uzama, the tight end for the Bengals, at plus 360. On Monday, the Bengals said they got good news in terms of Usama's potential ability and availability for Super Bowl 56. Of course, he left that game early on in the AFC title at Arrowhead against the Chiefs, was on crutches coming back to the sideline. It did not look good, but some positive news on C.J. Uzama, and we'll see what that looks like here over the next week leading into Super Bowl Sunday. One of the pass catchers for the Cincinnati Bengals is Uzama. Another one, Mark, of course, that we pay attention to is Jamar Chase. His receiving yards prop 78 in a hook. Are there other areas in the prop market you would look to benefit off Jamar Chase? Well, I think his receptions prop is still safe at five and a half. I'd bet it again. I bet it last week at five and a half and it came home. They're going to force the ball to him. They have to. There is no logical reason why you're going to take your best offensive weapon and not get him the ball. I think the, the Rams will take a similar approach to what Kansas City did. Let him catch the ball, just don't let him run free, right? I mean, that that's what they did a really good job at. I'm a little shaky on Jamar Chase's yardage prop at 78 and a half. I think it's right where it needs to be. I'm surprised it's even below 80, but that goes to show you how much that, uh, you know, odds makers are looking at this going, yeah, um, he hasn't really broken one off at any point in time, and that's really what you're going to need for him to eclipse that. The only other way he gets over that 78 is if he gets in the 7-8 catch range. So at five and a half, I feel good. I'm going to back Jamar Chase again on the over, despite the fact that it's minus 130, which isn't terrible comparatively speaking to some of the other props out there. But I would do it early because I would expect that that juice to continue to go up on Jamar Chase as everybody jumps on the over. Yeah, that could continue to be the case. And if the juice gets too high, maybe they push it up to six and a half. And then Mark Zeno got the best of a number. We're still about nine days out from Super Bowl Sunday when a lot more public attention next week and in the next five or six days will be paid to a bunch of these numbers. And that's still a secondary market, right? Everybody looks yardage props first. And it's 78 and a half for Jamar Chase, a number he went over in the first two playoff games for the Bengals. But under against KC did have 54 yards on six grabs and a touchdown. So there are also other areas at five and a half that I would look for Odell Beckham Jr. Five and a half with yes. plus money to the over at plus 120. A number Odell has gone over in two straight for the LA Rams and you can see how that game script is starting to work for Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford that even though Cooper Cup is going to get his and believe me he will still get his that secondary weapon of utilizing Odell Beckham Jr. in this offense has been huge 
for Sean McVay and the Rams. And we see that throughout this postseason. We saw Odell score in that first game against the Arizona Cardinals. We saw what he could do throughout most of these playoffs as well. And Mark, in the most recent game against the Niners, Odell Beckham Jr., nine grabs on 11 targets and going over 100 yards for the first time since the October 2019 portion of that season. So, so many areas to benefit in the prop market. And Mark, we talk about the idea and the word of the day, the word of the next couple of days will be correlate to how you see the game playing out to where you can find some profitability in the props market. When do you really start to dive in and fully flesh out your handicapping for the Super Bowl? Already into it, but you just brought up a great example of the correlation with Odell Beckham Jr. Now, he was three and a half against the Buccaneers. He was four and a half against the Niners. Now he's five and a half. In the last two games, okay, 60% of his catches have been for first downs. So that means Matthew Stafford is looking to him on third down because, he's one, he's the best possession receiver on the team. He's got the best hands. Mm. And, two, he sort of replaced Robert Woods in that role where he's the guy you look to on third down situations to keep the chains moving. So from that standpoint, you have to believe whenever there is a third and medium or a third and short that Matt Stafford isn't looking for Cooper Cup. He's looking for Odell Beckham Jr. because that's the guy that has helped him move the chains the last two weeks. So that's a correlating situation for me where I look at it go, uh, look, every time they're faced with a third down, Odell's going to get the target. And if he gets the requisite yeah. target share, him coming in over five and a half shouldn't be an issue for Odell Beckham Jr. And Odell has gone over five and a half total receptions in two straight. He has also gone over his yardage prop of 63 and a half in those same two straight games. We mentioned Cooper Cup is going to get his. His total receptions prop is up there. It's eight and a half. There's a slight bit of plus money to the over, but Cooper Cup has gone over eight and a half in the last two games for the Rams. He has gone over 104 and a half for his receiving yards prop in two straight as well. In fact, Mark Cooper Cup went over eight and a half total receptions in nine games throughout the regular season for the LA Rams. In seven of those nine games, then he went over his receiving yards prop for the Super Bowl, which is currently at 104 and a half. Everything is correlated, my friends. That might be a shirt I need to print out before Super Bowl 56. Mark Zeno breaking it down with the best of them, both in the college football landscape and early leans for the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow utilizing the legs. Mark Zeno told you here first. The mouth in the South, you can see him all across the grid. Mark, as always, we thank you very much for your time here on the morning after. Benny, you're the best. Can't wait to do it again soon. Very, very soon indeed. So as we round out our number two of the morning after on this Thursday, we got to set you up with some fun. A fun fact of the day from Alex Fasano up on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour together here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. One part of this morning family here on TMA and the Spiz Grizz, our executive producer in the morning, is a man all about his fun. Truly one of the most fun guys that I know, Alex Fasano. And he presents you 
with a fun fact of the day in that weird intermediate time between conference championship weekend and Super Bowl weekend. Yes, the Pro Bowl is this weekend, but again, I don't you know, Pro Bowl. Anyway, let's focus on conference championship weekend and what it means for Super Bowl Sunday. This past weekend, the second time in the Super Bowl area that both conference championship games featured double-digit comeback wins. It also occurred for the first time in history back in 1998. The Falcons were down by 13. They came back to beat the Minnesota Vikings in that 1998 NFC Championship game. The Broncos were down by 10 against the New York Jets. What a wild pairing that would have been to see these two teams in 2021. But anyway, the Broncos were down by 10 in the AFC title game. They came back to beat the New York Jets. Then in the Super Bowl, the AFC champion, the Denver Broncos, went on to beat the Atlanta Falcons by a final score of 34-19. The head coach for those Denver Broncos, Mike Shanahan. His son, Kyle Shanahan, did not get to the Super Bowl this time around, losing to Sean McVay in the NFC Championship game. That was a very fun fact. What does it mean for us now? If the AFC champion, down by double digits, came back to win and then went on to beat the NFC champion in the Super Bowl, could that mean that the Bengals pull off another outright upset victory? They've done it a ton of times this year. Eight and three against the spread. Cincinnati, when booked as an underdog this year, seven of those eight covers have been outright wins for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Don't want to be known as an underdog, but they have been barking as a dog all year long. Hour number three up next here on The Grid, following a Sports Grid News update from Alex Vassano.